Hey everyone, just wanted to thank you for listening to Definitely Doomed, the episode by episode Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Also wanted to remind you that each episode of the podcast is a breakdown of each episode of the show, and therefore we have no concern for spoilers and the like. Please enjoy. Why won't he help? He knows her. He could go to her. He could talk to her. He could seduce her and bang the key out of her. He is quite attractive. Well, of course he's attractive. Hey everyone, definitely doomed the episode by episode breakdown of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Podcast Farm is back with another episode for you. Joining me, Ruben, on the line in that time-wasting quest is your friend and mine. His name is Basil. How are you, Basil? Pretty good. I hope by the end of us doing this, your intro for me is like five minutes long. (laughs) Slowly add more words and then they become part of the every single time thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's been more like there's three things that I could potentially say and sometimes I say all of them and sometimes I say one of them. Sometimes I say none of them. (laughs) So many options. (laughs) That's what Marty Knoxon has brought us. A world of options. Mm -hmm. Her movie was bad, by the way. Yeah, the cut. (laughs) To the bone. Yeah, I was like, wait, that's Jane Campion? (laughs) Yeah. Let's not lump those two. Waters together. It's true. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't think there's anything to talk about, so I guess uh, let's just talk about Checkpoint. And okay. it's um, my turn to the plot description. This episode opens with a meeting taking place at Bobby's house. Um, Giles is telling the news that hit about his Watchers Council visit which is what he was leaving to do at the beginning of last episode. Um, And he informs Buffy and the gang that the Watchers will be coming to uh, deliver the information. And um, Buffy is still on her toes about um, Dawn being the key and worried about any new people finding out that information and is doesn't want the council to come or to know. Mm-hmm. Um, Glory is uh, at this point uh, is deduced that there must be some connection between Buffy and the key and is trying to come up with a plan in order to extract that information um, when the council arrives and tells Buffy and everyone that they have to do everything that they say or they won't give the information, which includes interviewing the gang and shutting down the magic box and doing a bunch of tests on Buffy. Um, Spike is in it. He does some stuff. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) Glory decides her plan is to... uh, She finds out where Buffy lives after... Ben denies helping her, and uh, 
she threatens Buffy. She says that she's going to start killing people that she cares about if she doesn't give her the key. And uh, Buffy, after dealing with all these frustrations, school, council, glory, gets one little more when she meets the Knights of Byzantium um, and uh, then tells the council in no certain words that they're going to give her the information because they want to give her the information because they want to be working with the Slayer. They don't want to be on the sidelines, so they're going to follow her rules. And Glory is a god. <laughs> yep, bam. Uh, one, uh, I didn't mention it, but I put down as a potential title for this episode, just O. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, that. to find out quite oh. again. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't really like this episode very much. Um, I... I mean, the more jokey parts of it, I wasn't crazy about. I like the stuff with Glory, but the Watcher's Council, I find pretty boring. And then, you know, the uh, the reveal at the end, or the uh, epiphany that Buffy has, is good, I guess. But uh, compared to the last two episodes that kind of felt like they were really pushing the plot forward, I was like... This is kind of a filler episode, like, I didn't care about the Watcher's Council, and, like, if they never came back again, <laughs> I still wouldn't care, like, you know, like, it it's reintroducing an element that uh, I felt like I was more or less done with, and then only to dispense with it again right away, so. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> fair points. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this is a fine episode as well. Uh, I give it, like, a low B minus, I guess. Mm -hmm. Anya and Glory and Dawn all very enjoyable, but um, yeah, I I think there's some good stuff to say about the council, but I think a lot of it is maybe probably unintentional. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I don't know if like they don't delve into it enough either in this episode or in the rest of the season me to feel like oh they were really making these solid points so I can't exactly give this episode credit for it. I probably would like this episode a little bit better if it didn't have two things that I very strongly dislike in it. One of which is where we kick off our discussion which is <laughs> Buffy's uh, not Buffy the character, Buffy the show's continued hatred of college professors. Yep. <laughs> this college professor is super mean to Buffy. I mean I guess there's been some sort of, like, running thing of uh, her kind of interrupting his class, mm -hmm. um, which is uh, unfair. But my experience in college is, one, even when professors are mad, for the most part, they're not that mean. And yeah. the buff the points like mm-hmm and like try to humiliate you in class for like the enjoyment of others yeah um and uh that the especially when the points that Buffy the character makes to 
the historian are, of course, very true, um, right. and therefore not uh, would actually be an interesting inquiry for study for most people who are genuinely interested in history, as opposed to just reading facts out of a textbook. Right. Um, and the third thing, it's is more of a realism point as opposed to a like this bothers me point, but my experience also with college professors is that the students usually have way more power. Um, I remember from my first year of post-bac that we had a stats professor and I felt bad because um, English was obviously not his first language and I think he had probably taught in a school overseas where they had like, you know, stricter settings and curriculum and he, you know, had a like sign-up sheet for uh, people to sign up, and if you were like more than like five minutes late to class, you know, it was supposed to count as an absence. And someone came in late, grabbed the sign up sheet, and signed it. And he was like, Tell me your name, because I'm not going to count that. And the guy said, If you don't know who I am, then you don't know who I am. And then put the sheet down and left. Wow. <laughs> and so they just didn't stay for the class. And that's generally been my experience with college students and professors in terms of the power relationship is that they win most of the battles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, even drawing it closer to the Buffy thing or whatever, if she is uh, the sort of like won't-stop-talking, semi-annoying student, I've had one of those in literally every college class that I've ever taken and mm -hmm. never once has a professor done any more than just like be like, Hey, let, maybe let's hear from someone else this time, like yep. in, a, in a very friendly way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My uh, probably the worst thing that I I've ever seen was someone was that student once set themselves up to be taken down by the professor when she was like mm -hmm. talking and talking and talking, and she was like, "Hey, if I'm just talking too much, you should like do a symbol." Or something like that, and he like you know did the. <laughs> mm -hmm. There you go. But but wasn't this situation? She yeah. introduced the possibility to get dunked on, and then he just right. slammed it home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that. Uh, I mean, also, yeah, like it's like it's a weird scene in terms of I mean I guess it makes sense for the arc of the show but like since like it's a weird scene as a viewer because like we know that she's right like that that like demons are real and so like her interest in like oh maybe Rasputin was like some kind of demon is like a genuine like uh like uh curiosity about like this famous person or whatever and then him like, really belittling her and also being like, yeah, this isn't for, like, just making shit up or whatever. I'm like, what? so we're just supposed to feel, like, really smug that, like, haha, professors don't get it, like, but also, like, <laughs> feel bad that she's, like, you know, embarrassed or whatever. It's, uh, it doesn't, um, really, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's a strange place to put the audience in because... You can't, like, fully empathize even if that's, like, the, ex unless, like, you're empath because she's not actually upset. Like, she's more, like, saddened by it or, like, 
feels yeah. embarrassed or whatever. She's not like a self-righteous, like, how dare he talk to me like that? He's an idiot. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. Like, so, like, but that's how I felt as an audience member. I was like, <laughs> oh, so this professor is supposed to be like, kind of, the point is that he's kind of an idiot, even though he's being a jerk. <laughs> Um, yeah, and uh, the storyline that makes way more sense, which I don't know why they didn't just do, is that they've talked in multiple episodes leading up to this that her problem with school right now is that she's behind in all of her work. And you could have achieved the exact same emotional ends of her being lost in a class, what they're talking about, and then asking the professor for, like, extra time, and him being like, no. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, that's uh, the... That's basically what Professor Walsh does at some point or whatever. It's like, yeah, you're an all right student, but you got to keep up. Like, I'm not here to babysit you, and it's a fair thing to do. Also, same with uh, what's his name, Dylan Baker in Spider-Man Two. <laughs> <laughs> Show up to class, Peter. <laughs> Man, that uh, whip pan shot of when he asks a question, he turns to the class, he's looking around, and then he points, and it wet pans to <laughs> Peter Parker with his, like, hand up. <laughs> I love that shot so much. That's yeah, really funny. <laughs> that all sequence is really funny. Anyways. Making his whole life better not being a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. you wanted to talk about Glory? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that, uh, again, just uh, she's pretty fun in the way that she throws lines away or, uh, like, has an offbeat delivery of things. Like, when she's talking to Buffy later in the episode, she says you should get down on your knees and worship me. But, like, the way she says it feels like not even, like, a threat, but just like a, why haven't you been doing this? Like... (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, I would say, like, maybe even, like, where she's, like, she's not really offended that Buffy's not doing it, but Mm -hmm. she's also, she's, like, at the most, like, mildly confused. (laughs) She's, like, isn't this something that normally happens? Right. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, and more continuation, sort of, of what you were talking about last episode, of her, like, seeing herself as the victim because she doesn't always get everything that she wants at each moment that she wants it. That's what makes her a victim in a really enjoyable way. Like when um, the new uh, henchman, who's going to be the main henchman for the rest of the season, I believe, I can't remember his name right now, um, comes back from getting punched in the face by Ben. She's like so confused why Ben wouldn't help her. Just give me the <laughs> the address. Just tell me where she lives. Why don't you do that? Who cares? Just this little slur. <laughs> but that's basically it, you know. I like that um, the hitchman suggested then that he could seduce information out of the slayer. Yeah. Because he's handsome. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, oh, um, I also wrote, I just wanted to mention that uh, when Glory says that Ben 
drives me insane that it sounds like she's being figurative but once you know everything about the season it's actually literal her right. human existence in this world is what's causing her to lose her mind yeah <laughs> pretty fun little uh I don't know. Easter egg, I guess, would be what you call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get the Knights of Byzantium. I don't oh, know yeah. how much you want to talk about them, but they suck. Yeah, they're <laughs> bad. Um, I mean, it feels like they just kind of picked Byzantium out of nowhere. I don't even know if there's real, like, Knights of Byzantium, but Byzantium was, like, a real place, and I don't know. <laughs> Three nights outside Ebbing, Missouri. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, yeah, and then she beats them up. Uh, the thing that I really wanted to talk about is that the ending of it makes no sense to me because she, like, picks up the sword and then, like, holds it at his neck like she's gonna stab him. But, like, obviously the audience knows she's not gonna just, like, behead a human or something like that. <laughs> So, so you're talking like, about Buffy does that all the time. <laughs> yeah. So then when she does, like, just kind of drop it away and let him go, I was like, was that just, like, a performative thing so that he'd feel like she was being extra merciful? Or... <laughs> yeah. like, I don't how... know. <laughs> moment like, doesn't land at all. Yeah. And, I mean, the whole concept of them, as best as I can come up with, is, like, nerd boys cosplaying who mm -hmm. think they can save the world but don't have any idea what they're doing but it never really lands and it just looks right. ridiculous and yeah. there's a scene in this season which always makes me question whether or not this is one of my favorite seasons where a bunch of knights on horses are chasing a Winnebago <laughs> yeah they are <laughs> that's a really dumb part Coming up. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, also their plan doesn't make any sense because they're like going to kill Buffy, but they don't know who the key is or what the key is either, so they're like, we yeah. know you're protecting the key, so we're going to kill you. But like, <laughs> then that just makes it easier for uh, Glory to get the key because they don't know where it is either. <laughs> <laughs> Or they could both lose the information to the key. Key could yeah. just be lost in the sands of time. They accidentally kill yeah. everybody who knows what it is. Right. <laughs> um, okay, and then of course the central part of this episode is uh, the council. And mm -hmm. um, there's, a, in my opinion, a lot of... I guess, fun stuff about, I don't know, I guess bureaucracy would be the overall way to put it. The idea mm. that um, as they are going to put multiple times in the episode, that the point of what they're doing is not the test. It's to get whatever the thing is that they want in this situation. So like when they're interviewing the gang, they the question they ask is like, how do you help Buffy? Like, very skeptically. Like, you mm -hmm. people, you're helping Buffy. And then as soon as they give a good example of how they helped Buffy, they're like, whoa, Buffy needs help? She can't do it on her own? So they've set it up so either way 
the gang answers is a fail. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, want, uh, they just want the, uh, her to be intimidated so that they have leverage and then... Yeah, and I think that this applies, this is the unintentional part to like a lot of different uh, readings. Like one modern of the moment reading could be the Watchers Council are like liberal Democrat centrists and then Buffy and the gang are like leftists and are doing like the actual work of social change and um, the Watchers Council is way more concerned with <laughs> the leftists and their methods and whether or not they fit their methods and getting them to do things how they think they should be done rather than the actual goal of in this case stopping glory or having Medicaid for all or any of the right. things that they claim that they care about. <laughs> right. Um, and it also makes me think of, like, testing, and, like, you know, um, if we wanted to bring, like, racism into it, we talk about, like, how tests are set up in certain ways for certain people to fail because they're already out to prove the point that, like, they're not as good or smart. And mm -hmm. so that's the whole basis of the test of the question is to get the answer that they already believe to be true. Right. So they know that <laughs> Buffy doesn't learn Japanese or yeah. things like that. But she has no problem defending herself or someone else with a blindfold on. Right. Because she is trained in, like, sensing her surroundings. Yeah. <laughs> She is extremely skilled at what she does. <laughs> Just not in the conventional way that they would prefer. Yeah. One assumes that all slayers, like, over the history of slaying, that there have been multiple apocalypses that have been stopped. But one would, it would seem that Buffy has, you know, under her belt in her short period of time, Really Quite a lot of <laughs> experience, as uh, Xander is going to say about her Riley speak. She's logged field time, or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just nice. Yeah, it's Riley yeah. speak. And I, I, one thing I thought you were gonna say, which is maybe unintentional and of the current moment, is like, I don't know, like white men in power. And that was yeah. actually one of the things that kind of bothers me about this episode is that it's pretty obviously, like, diversified in a mm -hmm. very silly way or whatever. Like, there's, like, the super old white dude, but then there's also, like, oh, there's this person of color and this yeah. woman. They're all part of the Watcher's Council. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the one scene with, like, the woman, like, getting to talk is, like, her being, like, kind of flattered to be around Spike and him, like, playing up the sexy angle yeah. <laughs> and being like, yeah, you're into me, aren't you? A little bit. <laughs> Whoa. Put your thesis, thesis on me. On. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boy. And then she like, does like pushes up her glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's real bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, so yeah, like, you know, if, if that were part of the thematic idea, which it obviously wasn't, like it would make way more sense to like have this, you know, I mean, similar to, I guess, uh, the movie just we, we just watched, The Post. Like, yeah. Spielberg is at least, if over the top, like, very intentional about, like, positioning 
Meryl Streep in just, like, rooms full of nothing but men who are, like, <laughs> bullying her constantly, so... <laughs> like, the point is very obvious, so... Uh, they, they missed a chance to at least kind of make that point and make it yeah pretty early. <laughs> One of the problems with making that point is that the Scoobies are not racially diverse. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so they could have made it all old men, and the Scoobies are not all old men, and they also have LGBT people, you know, uh-huh. as part of their group. You can't tell that at first glance. Uh, the Watchers Council could be all gay people. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know. But, um, uh, they probably needed to have already worked one or two, one or more POC into the gang <laughs> so that that boy could potentially land. Sure. But the, <laughs> but the, uh, I guess, like, yeah, dominant sexism theme, because yeah. obviously, you know, there's. Yeah. Meryl Streep as Hillary Rodden Clinton True. surrogate doesn't really work either. <laughs> she did call all those journalists super predators. <laughs> um, I don't have any other big comments about this episode. I continue to really enjoy what Dawn is doing uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the episode when um, Buffy hears her on the stairs, or Joyce points out that she's on the stairs. She's like, what are you doing? She's like, I can get a snack if I want. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Yep. And the way she plays it with glory is pretty fun, too. Yeah. It's an expert <laughs> lying. Um, or, it, I actually, maybe I was... That was how I read the scene, but maybe you had a different interpretation of it. Um... Well, she knows that Buffy is scared of the person that's in the room, so we have that piece of information. Um, but I do believe that for whatever reason in this moment that Dawn isn't scared of her. Maybe just because she's sitting down or she doesn't really understand or mm-hmm. something that Dawn is not as perturbed by this presence as, as, as Buffy is. And... Um, Based on what we've seen over the last couple episodes, I do think that um, Dawn is, you know, connecting with Buffy more and, like, more empathetic, so, like, playing the annoying sister role. Like, I do think it's something that she maybe kind of, like, slips into a little bit in this moment. Um, Just be like, things are normal. This is what a normal scene would be. But also, like they've been moving away from... They have a new normal that they've been developing over the last couple episodes. So... Right. Yeah, so that... I mean, I guess that's what I meant about when I said expert lying, because the, that's that's how you get really good at lying, is you, like, imagine a scenario in which you were having this thing without the information that you know, and then you're just like, what do I say then? I'll say that. And it's like <laughs> neither a denial nor a... <laughs> Like confirmation, because both have the sen- uh, sense of like making you feel seem potentially guilty or whatever. Good stuff. Um, and Anya is <laughs> also enjoyable in this episode. Uh, I've had some. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just gonna say I've had some practice lying lately. Been playing a lot of uh, like hidden identity games, board games. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I really like at the beginning when uh, Anya's like very upset when they're closing the store and then it's like, this is the council and she's like, oh, nice to meet you. I'll be in the back room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like backing away. And then Anya is very bad at lying at first. Mm -hmm. They ask her a question and she goes into an entire monologue about her entire life and gets very specific with her details. It's like, I'm from southeastern Indiana. <laughs> Where I was raised by a mother and a father. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great line. Great line delivery. Sounds demon-y. I don't run with that demon kind of gang. <laughs> right. Also her, it's it's very obvious joke, but I still laugh when uh, Buffy is describing their usefulness and she says a thousand-year-old ex-demon. She goes, Willis a demon? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like how she chose Willow too, <laughs> right. even though they worked things out kind of in the last episode. Still, <laughs> of the four of them, the one she most wants to throw into the buds is Willow, <laughs> not true. Tara or Xander. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Okay. I don't have anything else to say about this episode. Yeah, I know, uh, the only thing I noticed is that Buffy's slaying outfit's like all black, and I can't remember <laughs> how long that's been that way, but it's a pretty intense look. Yeah. Building off her uh, Nighthawk sentiment from episode one of this season, where she's crouched on top of one of the mausoleums and like yeah. jumps off and chases a vampire. <laughs> yeah, because it's not even like it's like functional, because she's still wearing like a leather jacket that's like a three quarter trench or whatever. I'm like, that's not really effective for fighting, but it is all black, so it's like <laughs> you're like halfway there, maybe. <laughs> Vampires won't see it coming at night, even though I think they can smell blood. Yeah. <laughs> but that moment of not seeing before the, the smell hits, that moment is all that matters. That smell's um, not as super mm -hmm. omnidirectional, I would assume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Smell gives you a general idea, sight gives you a very specific place. <laughs> Um, so, uh, some continuity things, uh, when Buffy is talking about not wanting to see the council, uh, she mentions how the almost killed her twice, including the time when she and Faith body switched. This apparently is the last time that Faith will be mentioned on Buffy until Bring On the Night, season seven episode. Oh. Um, this is the first time that Anya says her made-up name Anya Christina Emanuela Jenkins, but she will repeat it later, selfless, nice. implying that she's taken on that fake made-up name. That's fun. In case you were wondering, the karate instructions given to Buffy in Japanese are bow to the front, Shuman Nirei, front punch, Shuman Suzuki, and Ushiro Gary Impi Uchi, back kick, elbow strike. Mm -hmm. It's not really a continuity point, but uh, the first time we see Quentin Travers is near Buffy's 18th birthday. This episode is very close to Buffy's 20th. <laughs> yeah. 
The watchers go to Spike's crypt with a crossbow and cross, implying they either were unaware of the chips in Spike's head or were being extra careful. I would guess the latter, because otherwise, like, don't go at all. He's <laughs> <laughs> not that important to interview. And uh, Spike continues his very poor flirting technique in this episode. He <laughs> thinks that he's helping Buffy, and when she gets mad about that, he just becomes really mean to her. For yeah, no reason. I wrote that. Spike <laughs> negging Buffy. <laughs> but he doesn't, like, normally a negging has, like, a bit of a compliment in it as well. Like, um, wow, most people can't pull off a dress like that. Right. <laughs> Which is, like, you look good in that dress, but it was stupid of you to buy it. Right. <laughs> so there's like, you know, a bit of yeah, a push yeah. and pull. Most of his things that he say are just insults. Like, you're uglier than you used to be when you were younger. Right. <laughs> Gross, Mike. Uh, apparently there was a deleted scene invo involving Willow rhyming. Uh, I didn't create the troll. I didn't date the troll. In fact, I hate the troll. I helped deflate the troll. I'm glad they cut that. Yep. Anya's fake story was a little longer, too. When I was seven, I had a pet dachshund that died from choking on a wiener, which I find ironic. Oh, Spike and Joyce were watching Passions together. Always oh, worth yeah. a mention. <laughs> Spike, Joyce, and Giles, the Passions. Passion it. Mm -hmm. In French, this was called l'inspection, the inspection, and in German, it was called der Rat de Watcher, the Watcher's Council. Until Anya established her own invented name, Buffy Trading Cards listed her last name as Emerson. However, this is not canon. <laughs> <laughs> For all you Buffy trading card folk out there. Alright. Thank you for listening. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If so, subscribe using your podcast listening application. And give us a 5 star rating review on iTunes. Um, I would say we're going to be taking a brief hiatus after this. But that's when we record it. Not when we release it. So, <laughs> you're listening to this. The hiatus is over. <laughs> we did it. We're back, baby. <laughs> but uh, if you thought we had anything else to say about Checkpoint, you were an R myth taken. Uh, Bye for now. Bye-bye-bye.